0: Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 14 this morning Matthew chapter number 14 there's some privileges um, about being on the mission field when you woke up in the or uh, wake up in the winter time you know that we are at 90 degrees and 90 percent humidity every single day of every uh, of every week of every month of the whole year and uh, so that's one of the privileges another one I grew up on in Micronesia and you know, uh, as a young person, you like to pick on your siblings, and I had an older sister. And if you watched in the kids' video as they were singing, a little small lizard ran by. I don't know if you caught it. Is it at the bottom, and uh, we were uh, out there. I'd have been nine years old, and I'd caught my first gecko, and uh, I put him in my pocket. I uh, wanted to keep this gecko. It was, you know, thought there's something good that was going to happen with this small little lizard, and That night we were going to bed, my dad always has a little snack before he goes to bed, and that night it was Oreo cookies, and as we were headed to bed, my dad was bringing out the Oreos, and I said, can I have an Oreo cookie? And he said, sure, and my sister, who was already up in the bedroom, heard, and she said, hey, can I have one too? And he said, sure, and she asked me to bring it up to her. And between downstairs and our bedroom, I figured out the perfect idea for this gecko, and My sister was already in bed and it was dark and I asked her just to open her mouth and I'd slide that cookie right inside of her mouth and it was a gecko. Um, That poor gecko had quite the ride. Uh, As he made a couple loops in the mouth and the screaming that took place and then he was spat out. But uh, see, there's privileges, young boys, for uh, growing up on the mission field. And uh, so we got nice weather and we have lots of geckos for your sisters. And uh, so, but Matthew chapter number 14 this morning, we want to look at a familiar passage here. Verse number 22, the Bible says in straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. Notice Peter's faith here. Jesus said, but one word, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Lord, we come before you today. God, I ask that you would speak through me. Lord, that it would be your word that would challenge our hearts. God, that the Holy Spirit would have free reign. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that they wouldn't leave without knowing him. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts even today in Jesus' name. Amen. You find this passage of Scripture, Matthew 14, opens with Jesus feeding the 5,000. He feeds these 5,000 plus uh, women and children. And now he, He sends the disciples out. Uh it says that uh that he urged them, um there he he constrained them, he pushed them uh, to get into a ship and head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then you find in a little later on in the verse twenty two that he, he takes those multitudes that followed him, the ones that he had fed, and, and now he sends them off the other way. Verse twenty three kind of explains the reasoning behind it. As you notice here it says that once the multitudes and the disciples headed out, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And I began to think, what an example that Christ is for us. Here He is, the Son of God, and about to do a great miracle, but yet He spends some time here alone with God. You think about it. He, Jesus, thought it was important enough to set time aside to pray. Shouldn't we think it important enough to set time aside to pray? Not only was He the Son of God, He is and was God Himself. And He it. Important to pray, you know folks, we try to do things, but unless God gets involved it 's not going to take place. We need his power, we need his strength. Uh, James chapter number five and verse sixteen tells us to pray for each other because the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. You see our prayers they do something, and not just something small it 's it availeth much. it does great things. you see before we Try to do things in our own strength. Before you go to Micronesia or anywhere, Sydney, Ohio, and knock on a door, we need God to get involved before something great's going to take place. And I wonder are we spending that time alone? If you follow Jesus' earthly ministry, you find many times before he would do something great, he found himself a place to pray. And what an example He is even 2,000 years later. If we want God to get involved with us, if we want God to get involved in our church and in our missions, we need to get on our hands and knees and get before Him. Here Jesus is setting the example for us. And then verse 24 begins to describe a storm that was taking place. Here are the disciples, and when you look at these guys' life, most of these were fishermen. Most of them had sailed to sea all their lives, and this must have been quite the storm that we find in verse 24 down. You find that the disciples it says later on that they were troubled, that they cried out for fear, they were afraid. This storm that was taking place was was not just any storm that takes place. It was one that that had them a little nervous in where they were at. And in verse 24 it says they were tossed with waves and and that they were uh, the wind was against them, the wind was contrary And notice verse 25, but in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. Seems as if this storm broke up the Lord's prayer meeting. But you know, I don't believe it was the storm that night that broke up his prayer meeting. I believe it was his concern for those disciples that broke up that prayer meeting. You see, just as he was concerned with them disciples some 2,000 years ago, he's concerned for you and I. And we might not be out on a sea, but you know, the life... It throws us some storms. The devil, he puts some temptations in our way. We get into some trials and and, and those type of things. And you know what? Just as Christ was concerned for those disciples, He's concerned for you and I. And you know what He does? He doesn't waste time looking for another boat. He goes directly to those disciples. The fastest way possible. Walking right on top of that storm. Right on top of those waves. And you know what? For us, even today, He comes to us where? Where? in our time of need he comes to us when we need him and you know what he's he's there to help us through those hard times these disciples were there and they see jesus walking and they say it's a spirit they cry out for fear and i wondered about that how couldn't they know it was christ that was coming to them but i think we go back to sunday school here You color the pictures in Sunday school. You know, not all those color pictures are really biblical. Um, When you you color that picture of Peter and Jesus walking on the water, it's like smooth as glass. But we're in the midst of a storm here. Could you imagine the waves were large? And if Jesus was walking on top of the waves, He would have been at the the peak of the wave, but He would also been in the valley of the wave. With the wind and the rain in their faces, could you imagine them looking out and seeing a person appear and disappear, appear and disappear, what would you think was coming your way? His disciples said it was a spirit that cried out for fear. But notice, Jesus calmed them. You know, He does the same for us. John, first John, chapter number 2 and verse 1. John said, these things write unto you that you sin not. Oh, wouldn't it be nice once you get saved and never sin again? But oh, that's not our fleshly body. Oh no, John goes on and writes, And if any man sin, he says, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. You see, when we get in those storms, when we get through those trials, when we get off course, we have one that pleads our case before God. One that sits at His right hand. One that's in our corner, if you want to say it. And when He comes, He doesn't just come to us as one to help us, but He comes to us as one that has been in our shoes. You think about it, some 2,000 years, ago, He walked in our shoes. He lived in a body of flesh like what we do. The Hebrews goes on and says he was tempted as we are yet without sin. You see, when he comes to us, he knows where we're at. He knows how to help us out of these times. Jesus comes that night and notices words, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter, he still doesn't know if it's him. Notice what he answers, Jesus. Lord, if it be thou, bid me, ask me to come unto thee on the water. Here's the meat of the message. You find Peter had the faith that night on one word. One word of God to step out of the boat, to leave his comfort zone, to walk on water. And I wonder, do we have a faith like what Peter had? Peter that night, one word is all he needed. Do you realize we have the word of God here? There's hundreds, thousands of words, promises, commands filled in this book. All Peter needed was one word, come, and he was willing to step out. What do we need to be willing to step out by faith? Peter, that night, we get hard on him. Yeah, he stepped out, but he took his eyes, he took his faith off the Lord and began to sink. But do you realize there was 11 other men that sat in the boat that weren't willing to step out? Think about those men today. Peter had the faith to make the step, but 11 others did not. You know, thinking about him, do you realize Judas was in that boat that night? The betrayer of Christ. But when you would look at Judas, he wasn't a multitude. When you follow the multitude in the Bible... You follow these multitudes, they showed up when it was good for them. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, man, they were there. Man, there was free food, free lunch. Man, they, they were Baptists. They showed up, it was lunchtime, you know. Uh, you find, uh, you go on and, and Jesus is healing folks and what do you find? The multitudes show up. Notice when the hard times came, multitude weren't around. They were gone. But you find Judas was there. Judas wasn't a multitude. He was a disciple. He was a follower of Christ. Yet Jesus would go on and say that he was a devil. He followed Christ almost throughout his ministry, his earthly ministry. If you look at his life, he would have looked the part. He would have talked the part, dressed the part, acted the part. He knew what to say and what to do. He was one of the disciples. Yet inside, he didn't have a true faith. He had a pretend faith. And you know, I think today it translates over into our churches. We have a group of people that have been in church all their life. They know how to talk. They know how to teach a Sunday school. They know how to drive a van or a bus and pick up kids. They know how to do all those things. They look right. They act right. They talk right. Yet maybe they've never accepted Christ as personal Savior. You know, back in those days, if you looked at Judas, you would say, he has to be a believer. Man, he's followed Christ through everything, but he wasn't. And you see, we can fool man, but you know what? We'll never be able to fool God. You know, it would be one thing to say at the end of our life, we come and stand before the church or stand before Pastor Alter and give an account of our lives, but we don't stand before Pastor Alter. We don't stand before this church. We stand before Almighty God. And God doesn't look at our outward appearance. He looks at our hearts. And I wonder, are we going to be like Judas that day standing there would have looked the part, acted the part, talked the part, yet didn't know Him as personal Savior. The people of Koshri, they're so religious. They follow all these rules and regulations. They try to be the best that they possibly can be, yet they put Christ out of it. And one day they're going to stand before Him and they're going to say, Have not we done mighty works in Thy name? And He said, I never knew you. You see, folks, it doesn't matter how many times we've been baptized. How many times we've come to church? How many times we've read the Bible? Those are great things to do. It comes on, have we accepted Christ as personal Savior? He's the only way. He came and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Him, but by Christ Jesus. Too many people look the part, act the part, talk the part, yet don't have Him in their life. And you know what? They sit in the boat when Christ comes by and says, come, step out on faith. They sit in the boat because they have a pretend faith. When you look, take Judas and set him aside, there's ten others. Ten other disciples. Ones that knew Christ as Savior that that day they sat in the boat. That night when Jesus said, come, I believe if they would have stepped out on faith like Peter, all of those guys would have walked on water. Yet why did they sit in the boat? I come to... Realized they had a doubting faith. Thomas, Thomas would have been in there and he was known as Doubting Thomas. Why? Jesus, when He had rose from the dead, Thomas said, I won't believe. He didn't see Him. He said, I won't believe until I put my, my finger in His hand, my hand in His side. And you notice Jesus comes a little later, about a week or so later, and He said, Thomas, I don't want you to be faithless. Here, put your finger in my hand, your hand in my side. Sometimes it can maybe be hard, but it hits home in our own lives. Imagine these disciples. They're fishermen. That was their occupation, most of these guys. They'd sailed that sea. They'd been through storms. And here they are in the storm. And Mark chapter number 6, it, 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 it describes the same passage here. and It says there that when Jesus was on the mountain, He looked down and He saw the disciples. The Bible says, toiling and rowing. Toiling, they were laboring and rowing. So here they were, the storm arises, they're in the middle, in the midst of that Sea of Galilee, and the storm arises, and what do they do? They break out the oars, and they began with their knowledge, they were fishermen, they knew that Sea of Galilee, with their abilities, they began to paddle with those oars, as as hard they began to toil and labor, and you know what the Bible says? They were in the midst, they never moved, the wind was contrary. They were stuck there as much ability and as much strength as they had. They did everything that they could. And the boat wasn't going anywhere. And now here comes Jesus walking on the water. And he says, guys, your comfort zone, that boat, you know how to use it. You know what to do with it. He said, why don't you leave it? Come, walk on water. What would go through your mind? Man, they must have been thinking, man, we can't even do what we know how to do. How can we ever do the impossible? And the truth is, is we can't do it. But He can through us. Oh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through my own strength? No way. But through Christ. You see, we come to things in the Bible like tithing and say, how could I ever do that? Man, I, I can't do that. But you realize that God can through you. Given to missionaries... Man, I I can't do that. I I can't afford to do that. But God could through you. What about knocking on a door? What about reaching your community? Oh, I, I can't talk to anybody. I can't. But He can through you. You see, too many of us sit in the boat. We sit in our comfort zone. Unwilling to step out. What if Abraham was unwilling to step out? think God would have ever came to him and asked him to offer his son Isaac? You see, that wasn't the first time God had come to him. It was way back here when he was living in his home with his family. And God said, by faith, why don't you step out? He was leading him to the promised land. He didn't give him the exact route. He said, just leave. Just go. Where? Just go. And you know what Abraham did? He stepped out on faith. And you know what happened in his life? He saw God come through. Think about this. Peter didn't have the ability to walk on water. He didn't master the technique of how to do it. He never did it again. But you know what? He stepped out on faith. And God's power turned on in his life and he began doing the impossible. And Abraham did the same thing. He stepped out on faith and God came through and he steps out on faith again and God comes through and he steps out on faith again and God comes through and then God comes and says, all for your son Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham could stop and look back. He could see all those steps of faith that he had made and how that time and time and time again, God had come through And Hebrews says he lifted the knife by faith, believing that God would raise Isaac from the dead. You see, we want to get to this point, but we're unwilling to make the steps back here. Abraham's faith had grown, folks. They weren't great leaps of faith. They were small steps of faith. And I wonder, what is God challenging you to step out on faith in? Notice, he doesn't come at the peaceful time to these disciples and say, step out on faith. They're in the midst of a storm, a trial. I mean, their world's being torn apart. Yet they were willing, one was, to step out. The others, they had this doubting faith. They said, we're unwilling to leave that comfort zone. You know what? That night, when they finally got ashore, Peter was the only one to walk off that said, I was able to walk on water. I was able to do the impossible. Why? It's because Peter had a trusting faith. Judas, he had a pretend faith. Looked right, acted right, dressed right. The other disciples, they had a doubting faith. Oh, they had placed their trust in Him, but not their life. He didn't have control, if you want to say, of their lives. Yet Peter said, it's all yours. Lord, you say, come. I'm willing to make that step out. Could you imagine Him stepping out again? Waves are crashing on the boat. The boat is in jeopardy of sinking. Yet He's willing to just step out. Lord, my life's in Your hands. And you see what comes through. The Lord Jesus comes through. And every single time we step out, He'll come through. If we're just willing to make that step. Notice this. This is neat. Here Jesus is... The disciples, what's their issue? What's their problem? What's their storm? this storm that's taking place? These waves that are crashing on this boat. And where does Jesus come in the midst of the storm? Does He come down in the storm? Or does He come walking over top of it? He's got their problems underneath His feet. Those waves that are crashing, He's walking on top of them. And what He tells Peter is He says, don't dwell down here and worry about your problems and try all your ability. He says, instead... By faith, step out and live victoriously over them. Do you realize for the short time that Peter walked on water, he was living victoriously over his problems. And you know what? Christ doesn't want us dwelling and worrying and staying in our problems each and every day of life. He wants us to live victoriously over them. And it comes when we're willing to step out on faith like what Peter had. Amen. You know, you read this story and you look at Peter's faith. Many times I say, How could I ever live up to that faith? What a great, outstanding faith that Peter had. You find Peter's faith begins to waver. Takes his eyes. He takes his faith off the Lord Jesus Christ. Begins to look at the storm and the power of God that had come on in his life. given him that ability to walk on water. Shut off just like it came on. He begins to sink. And notice this, when he begins to sink, he doesn't look back to the boat. He doesn't ask the disciples to throw him a lifeline. He looks to a Savior. And he said, Lord, save me. And notice this, verse 31. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. Begin to think about this. How could we ever live up to this great faith that Peter had? But notice what Jesus says. He stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of great faith, O thou of mighty, outstanding faith. Now what does he say to Peter? O thou of little faith. You realize it was just a little faith that Peter stepped out that night. If God could do this with a little faith, what could he do in your life with a little faith? Think about it. The book of Acts talks about 11 men that had a little faith goes on to say they turn the world upside down we have more than 11 here i wonder what a little faith from this church would do what would it do in sydney ohio what would it do in micronesia and around the world if we were willing to step out with just a little faith you see god can do something great with just something little if we're willing to give it to The other disciples sat in the boat that night. They sat in their comfort zone, unwilling to step out because it wasn't their ability. Judas sat because he looked the part, acted the part, yet inside he was full of dead men's bones. But Peter, he said, I don't have much. One word, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One word from God is all Peter needed. And he said, It's yours, Lord. I'm willing to step out. Where are you at in the story? Are you like Judas? I've been in church all my life. Man, you don't know what others would say if I... They would rejoice if you came and accepted Christ. Maybe you're like the rest of the disciples, sitting in the boat, unwilling because we've done everything we can do, unwilling to let Him do it through us. Or maybe we're like Peter. Maybe we've made a step or two, Maybe we've taken our eyes off the Lord. But notice, Peter knew where to go to. He went back to the Lord. And you know what? The Lord got him on the right track again. Where are you at? I wonder, what kind of faith do you have? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. Count it a privilege to be able to open your word. Lord, to have your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. God, I pray that I would have a faith like what Peter